When people see something that they resonate with, a message that they agree with, they want to have a dialogue with it. So even if you're just the kind of person that's like, you just randomly share one day, like, I absolutely hate salads and here's why, you know, it's like, People are going to engage with that. Like, and I think that we can learn from that engagement. Welcome to the I Make a Living podcast brought to you by FreshBooks. If you are an entrepreneur, freelancer, side hustler, big thinker, or just a straight up dreamer, then this is your show. Today's episode is for all of you creative entrepreneurs out there who just want to make a living doing what you love. I am talking to Morgan Harper Nichols, a musician, author, podcaster, artist, and poet who has done partnerships with major brands like Coach, Adobe, Vogue, Airy, and more. Her work is widely available in many stores, including Anthropology, Barnes & Noble, and Target, and she is a trailblazer for all artistic entrepreneurs. The secret to her success? Following her intuition. Here's Morgan on how she survives and thrives as an artist. This is the I Make a Living podcast, so it's fitting that I start off by asking you, Morgan Harper Nichols, how do you make a living? I make a living as a visual artist and someone who writes poetry. I have an online shop, books, an app. And yeah, I feel like a lot of what I do kind of falls into, into those categories. I also do a lot of collaborations with other brands and other people that are creative in some way. I was really interested to ask you that question because I was like, how's she going to answer this? Because <laughs> you do so much. Like, that's one slice of the entirety of what you do and what you can do. Is it correct that you started your career actually in music? Yes, I did. And I thought I was going to always do that. But as anyone who has worked in music knows, it is very hard to make a living doing that. And I used to try to tell this part of my story in a more poetic way, but no, that's really what it was. Like the finances just weren't there. I was I was putting in the work and I honestly have so much peace about that season of my life. Like I know I gave my all. I really did. But at the same time, it's just, it's very hard for artists to get funding. It's it's just a very hard industry to be in. So that was where I started. Yes. And I, I kind of pursued that full time for about four, almost five years. Wow. And then you started in one creative endeavor <laughs> and then you went into another creative endeavor. Like I also don't, I don't know how many people go into poetry because they're like, I want to get rich. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. I kind of accidentally got into poetry when I decided that I don't, I was like, I don't know if I could do music full time. I don't know if I can. And there are plenty of people out there who just, you know, worked out differently for them. And I still have friends in the industry who are still going. But for me, I was like, I don't think I can do this. And I actually did try to pursue a more traditional career at some weight. However, I had a bachelor's degree in English. So there's not a ton of, you know, not a ton of LinkedIn and Indeed posts out there <laughs> looking, at least at that time. I There wasn't a lot out there for me to even apply to. So I felt really stuck because I was honestly, just the way my personality is, I was okay with, and, and even content with pursuing like a quote unquote regular job. I was like, I would totally be content with that, you know, having 
healthcare and like your paychecks, like a, a check that actually comes in the mail and it comes like every two weeks and you can, you know what's coming. It's like, that doesn't sound so bad. However, no one was really hiring. I couldn't really find that for myself. So one thing I did have was just a hodgepodge of skills that I had acquired in music. I had learned how to use Adobe Photoshop to make t-shirts and album covers. I had learned how to do some photography to do my own photo shoots. And I was writing music. I was writing songs during all that time. So I ended up writing a poem, honestly, just in a very personal moment of frustration that I had spent all these years in music and I was tired and broke and didn't know what to do next. And I shared that poem online and then it ended up getting reshared on Pinterest a hundred thousand times. And that to me was like, okay, well, I guess other people connect with that feeling. It took from that point, it took a long time, almost a full two years before what I did became a business where it was like, okay, this is an actual business. Like we need to get the paperwork together. So it was a long, even once I had that moment, it was still a lot of like, well, what do you do with that? Because like you said, I mean, poetry isn't something that you associate with creating a business. So I could absolutely relate to what you were saying. And like being in this place where what you had done, I came from being a TV executive and working in in traditional media for so long. And then I got to this turning point and it was like, what now? And anything can be seen as a sign. Like for you, it was a hundred thousand Pinterest views. For me, it was actually kind of a negative. (laughs) Like I interviewed for 17 jobs that normally I would have gotten and I didn't get any of them. And I was like, what? This is really Mm. weird. Like, is this a sign? Do you believe in that? Do you think, do you think there are like signposts along the way that guide your path or do you think you, you make it yourself? Oh, that's such a good question. I think there are signs, at least in my life, yeah. I think you have maybe two different kinds of people. Maybe some people are a bit more, like, intuitive and like, you know, maybe I need to go a different direction. I'm not that kind. Um, <laughs> I need I need something of, like, hey, Morgan, pay attention. This might be time to change course. So I feel like that was one of those moments for me, a positive moment of, like, This is a time to change course. I know you don't know what it is, but it's something and pay attention to it. It matters. So I'm very grateful that that happened for me because it Mm -hmm. I don't know if I would have seen that poem as something that I should share publicly in the way that ended up getting shared on its own. I think it kind of had to happen from all of these other strangers kind of pulling in to, to make that happen. You didn't really have a plan, but Mm -hmm. you knew that you had something worth pursuing. Yeah. Tell me about that journey and what those steps were that took you from that idea and that, you know, viral post to actually making it into your livelihood. It was, and this is kind of a theme in my story a lot. It was other people kind of validating different things and giving me ideas. So, you know, I kind of alluded to this earlier. I'm not the most, like, I'm not a huge, like, go-getter. I'm going to just try this. Like, I I like to 
hear what other people say and get inspired by feedback a lot. So shortly after I had written that poem, I had started to, I am not a trained visual artist at all, but I was just like, I kind of feel art happening with these words. I, I think and this was at this point, I was like, I wasn't selling anything at this point. <laughs> at this point, I was still just taking random freelance gigs. A lot of them had to do with music, even though I wasn't really, quote unquote, doing it full time. I had moved out of Nashville. I wasn't doing music full time, but I still had enough of like, OK, I could sing background on this album kind of here and there, just piecing it together and just piecing it together the freelance life so I had that going so I was like there's something happening with this poetry here I'm just gonna kind of play around with it a little bit see what happens and then I got an Instagram DM from someone that said hey I was wondering if you could write a poem and draw like a little illustration and I was like I guess I could do that. I had never been commissioned as an artist or a poet. Like, that was new. I I had seen, like, on other people's Instagram profiles, like, commissions, you know, commissions open or commissions closed. But I wasn't familiar with that term. And essentially, that's just people commissioning you to do, you know, a freelance project usually in some way. So she wanted to commission me to do this. And I... I didn't even realize she wanted to pay me. I was like, oh yeah, sure, I'll do it. And she's like, okay, you know, what is your rate? And I was like, oh, this is, okay, maybe that's not what I can do. People commission me to write poetry. So yeah, I, and I'm, I think I charged like $50, which was, looking back, I put, wait, <laughs> it should have been more than $50. But I had no point of reference. I didn't know, I didn't know about hey, look at the actual amount of hours that you're going to put into something. I didn't know any of that. So I was just like, 50 bucks, you can PayPal me, whatever. (laughs) So that was my first gig sort of in the space that I'm doing now. And, And what I what I loved about it was that in the past, coming from the music world, a gig meant getting on a plane. It meant going somewhere, which is fine. But that is significantly more costly (laughs) to do. I mean, if you're getting paid as an artist, a music artist or background singer, like even if you're getting paid like a thousand dollars, you still have to a lot of times, depending on what it is, you may have to fork up that cost for the plane ticket. You know, even if you get reimbursed later, I mean, that affects cash flow. So there's so much more that went into doing commissioned work in the music industry that I was really sort of just mind blown to the fact that, wow, I sat at home and wrote a poem and someone commissioned me to do that. And like, I didn't have to buy a plane ticket. So that was very interesting to me. And I think that that is what kept me thinking of like, well, I don't really know how to get more clients like this, but I can at least continue to share online. And that's what I, what I did. And I do think that that was probably one of the biggest pieces is that from this is all happening at the beginning of 2017. I was just very consistent in sharing. And I do think that that was somewhat of like that that one commission was enough for me to say, okay, there's got to be at least a few other people out there who are willing to support me in this way. So when you said you were sharing, Mm -hmm. sharing on Instagram, Pinterest too, Mm -hmm. 
did you have any kind of a social strategy? Like I'm always hearing that, like, what's your social <laughs> strategy? Or did you have a calendar? Like, how did you keep yourself accountable when you didn't necessarily know, like you knew notionally there might be money mm-hmm. out there for what you were doing, but how did you justify it when like you still got bills to pay? Yeah. You're doing these one-off opportunities in music, but you talked about the time it takes and like the cost to mm-hmm. get there, but there's also like the emotional oh, yeah. output yeah. that it requires to, to share <laughs> in this way. Yes. I think a lot of what pushed me to say, okay, I'm just going to try stuff was, and I, and that's what I did, honestly. Like if you, if you were to scroll back through my feed, you'll see a lot of just random things. Like I was just like, Hey, let's try some art with some spray paint. Let's write poetry with Crayola markers. I was all over the place. And I think what gave me sort of the push to do that was because I was coming off of almost half of a decade of being in an industry where, how do I say this more tactfully? (laughs) Being in an industry where things were more established. I mean, the, the music scene that I was personally in, it was very niche. I was a part of the contemporary Christian music space, and that's a very niche group. And it's it was kind of, I was finding it challenging to maybe try new things and have the finances to do so. <laughs> so for me, having this new creative outlet was like, this feels that part of me that likes to try something new and I don't need a lot of money to do it. And that was huge because for a music artist and and things have changed now because it's like, you've got kids these days who can produce a whole album from their bedroom. I wasn't one of those kids. So for me, if I wanted to produce an album or produce a song, like I needed funding. I, I don't have that ability, but I was passionate and interested about How can I modify what I originally thought creativity was going to be and sharing it in the world into a way that I can do it at home that doesn't cost me a bunch of money up front? And I think that's what honestly kept me doing it was because I really wasn't losing much. Of course, I was investing time, but I wasn't like losing thousands of dollars by sharing something on Instagram. It's like if it didn't work, just try something else the next day. So for some reason, I was able to make that distinction in my brain. And that kind of gave me permission to try new things. And I know that I was trying new things because I remember at the time actually hearing from a lot of people who were experts at Instagram. They were people who were like, here's how you grow on Instagram, literally saying, don't post things with a bunch of texts. And I was doing the opposite. I was just like, I want to post texts. (laughs) So I'm just going to do it. So um, that was my strategy. I think I was just, it just happened to be that I had come from this place where I didn't feel like I had that freedom. And now I was like, no, this is what I was after. Like, I like to have that freedom to explore and try things in real time and see how people respond in real time. I I like that. So I Mm. think that's what kept me going with it. Because social media is such a vital tool in entrepreneurship today, we usually feel pressure to get social media right and to attract a large audience as soon as possible. I like that Morgan let creativity guide the way, then let Instagram tell her what people really respond to. 
For those of you who are new to social, this doesn't mean go out and post just anything in your feed. The key here is intentionality. Morgan's passion, inspiration, and creativity are what people ultimately respond to every day. Keep that in mind when you're telling your story. And then look for creative ways to monetize the things that get a consistent response. For Morgan Harper Nichols, this comes in the form of the Storytelling Company, her innovative new app where she shares daily poems, motivation, and inspirational art. While I do have entrepreneur tendencies, I am actually not the strongest. I'm not normally the one that says, okay, let's turn what we're doing into this product idea. That doesn't happen for me naturally. And it used to get me down a lot, but I did notice, I was like, but you know what, Morgan, you were able to start a whole freelance thing just because you listened to someone in your audience who wanted to commission you and you said yes. So I may not be the best at coming up with the ideas, but I'm pretty good at saying yes. And that's what happened with the app. Someone literally reached out to me. They said, we have this app that we built for ourselves. So they had a, a, a like a brand where, and they still exist, they're called The Practice Co., where they send out motivational messages every day. And they said, we have different audiences from you, but we believe that we could take what we've created and create an app for you based on this model where somewhat people can get a new message every day, new artwork every day, and they pay a subscription. The subscription is $2.99 a month and they can pay and they can have this app. So I was like, that sounds really cool. (laughs) I was like, I wasn't thinking about an app. I mean, sure, I think about them loosely, but that wasn't something that I knew how to do. And I just said yes to the meeting. And it just so happened to work out that that I really liked what they had to offer. So we were able to I was able to partner with them. And that was in late 2018. So, yeah, that's how that came to be. And it's it's become a a favorite project of mine. I think a lot about apps, actually. <laughs> I'm kind of like the opposite. I'm just like, I'm, how do you do that? I love so, that, though. I'm just, send me your app, people, because yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, how do you do? It's just like, you know, all of these elements of entrepreneurship, it requires like a different skill set, a different part of your brain. Yes. And that's that's the challenging thing, I think, for me as an entrepreneur is having to wear all those hats. But you really embrace that, like, you're not thinking of everything. You're not great at every element of running your business. You are evolving and growing as you go, but that partnership is is really an important element and listening to your audience is an important element. And now you have a book. Morgan, <laughs> Did that come about the same way? Somebody in the audience was just like, you should have a book. Exact same way. Every book I... That I did a self-published book through Amazon, my first book. It was because I was seeing comments. People said, you should have a book. So I took poems from my Instagram and I put them in a book and I said, hey, guys, these aren't new poems. I just took the poems from my Instagram. If you want to hold them in your hand, here they are. That was my whole strategy. And then with my my books with the traditional publisher, they found me via Instagram. So... I am all about, as cliche as it may sound, just put it out there. You never know who's watching. You never know who other people... Because I think what happens is like when people see something that they resonate with, a message that they agree with, they want to have a dialogue with it. So 
even if you're just the kind of person that's like, you just randomly share one day, like, I absolutely hate salads and here's why, you know, it's like, People are going to engage with that. Like, and I think that we can learn from that engagement. And and I do think that that is how I've been able to come up with all these different things is because I, I really do love to listen to what other people kind of send my way. <laughs> well, and it's like a combination of drawing people in through your experience and in your words and also then encouraging them to share and have their own experience with it. Mm-hmm. Like in the app and Storyteller app, you have... You have art, you have messages, you also have journal prompts. Mm -hmm. Do you have any advice for entrepreneurs who struggle to tell their story? It seems like you were able to access that very organically, but I know this is something that a lot of people have trouble finding the language for. Oh yeah, absolutely. I am a huge believer in vulnerability. And at the very same time, I think that there is an enormous amount of pressure on people to be vulnerable about everything all at once and share your whole story all at once. And I just, I haven't done that. I feel like there's so much pressure of like, you have to, you have to be that in every area of your life in order to be able to create something that people want to be a part of. And, and I don't, I don't think that's true. It's like, we have, we have actors out there who live very private lives and we don't even know that much about their personal lives but because they bring their all to the film it's sufficient it's that's what they're giving us and it and it feels valuable and we resonate with it and we connect with it so i think that that could be one of the downsides of having so many platforms out there these days is that there is this pressure of like oh you have to kind of be all of these things and it's not true some of my favorite brands that I've seen come to life. I cannot pronounce the name of her channel. Um, It's not in English. It is entirely in Spanish. She is based in Mexico. She's a, a grandmother who cooks. That's all you see of her life. And every one of her videos gets millions of views. And it's that's all she's doing. <laughs> she's just sharing this one part of her life, but it is so rich. And I sit there as someone who can't even speak Spanish And I sit there, I am fully engaged in the whole thing. And I just think that's so beautiful because it's like, yeah, we don't, you don't have to be everything. Like you don't have to share everything, every part of who you are online. Thank you for sharing that because I I actually really did need to hear that. Mm -hmm. And I assume that some of our listeners need to hear it too. And, And I think about that a lot. In the last year, I've noticed that social media is a bigger drain on my energy, especially since the comments aren't always nice, the mood isn't always upbeat, and it's really a big time investment. My team and I are constantly discussing what feels safe for me to share, knowing that once it's out there, I have no control over how it will be perceived. I don't have the answers here. Like I said, it's an ongoing conversation. I can tell you, however, that when you choose to open up on a topic, you have to tell your most authentic story. I find Morgan's work to be so compelling because she really does a good job of communicating vulnerability and creating a shared experience in a way that is so transparent and honest. Especially when listening to her podcast, I feel like we are sharing profound moments together. 
In one episode, Morgan reveals that after facing challenges with tasks that seem to come so easily to others, she was recently diagnosed with autism. So you're you're in your early 30s, and to have this diagnosis later in life, mm-hmm. I imagine it must have crystallized so much of your experience before that had you understood that your brain worked in a different way, I wonder how it might have shifted your path in a different different direction. Do you ever think about that? Oh, my goodness. Yes. I think it would have been kind of like this trade-off. One, I probably would have been a little less anxious, a little less insecure, had a little less self-doubt because... Yeah, I mean, my self-doubt is, was, it, <laughs> I still deal with it, but I mean, it was severe to the point that it was concerning when I was in my 20s. And the other side of it, though, is that it just gave me such an awareness of how important it is to have people and to have places where you feel safe and where you feel like you're affirmed and you're doing, it's like, you're doing okay. And I think that that's why I ran so hard in the direction of art and writing poetry. Because it was like, for whatever reason, I feel safe in this place. And, you know, it's no secret that the world is tough. Like, it's it's tough for everyone. And I I just believe that everyone is worthy of having spaces where you're not worried about putting on a show. You're not worried about performing and how successful you are. We all need those spaces. And that space for me happened to be, you know, visual art. So all that to say, I, I feel two ways about it. You know, I feel like had I known, it definitely would have helped me. And at the same time, it made me so passionate. I'm even more passionate about it now. And when I talk to young people, especially, I'm like, please, if you look at what I do and you want to be like me in any way, like, please just, if it's just for your mental health sake, like, let that be the, <laughs> the starting point. Like, if this is just something you do as a creative outlet, um, I think that's important. So, yeah, I think all those years of not having those answers ended up giving me the passion to kind of really speak about what I'd speak about today. How does it impact your work now, knowing that just understanding neurodiversity Mm -hmm. as you work with brands and as you work with a team and publishers and you're having to communicate and now have the awareness that the way you communicate or the way you interpret may be different than the way that they intend it or that other people may communicate. Oh, um, yeah. how has that informed your work? Yeah, it's, it's been really tough, but at the same time necessary, I've had to ask for a lot of help in areas that I was really pushing myself because I felt like you're a business owner. You should be able to do this on your own. Like, Like we have an online shop and there's just so much that goes into that. And it's just, there's so many little things that I am doing or was doing on an admin level that I could easily ask for someone else to help with. But I was just having such a hard time letting go because I was like, this is something I should be able to do. I should be able to do this on my own. And my business partner is also my husband. And once I got my diagnosis, 
we started looking at, okay, what is making the day more stressful for me? Because there's so much going on and where can we kind of make some changes? And one of the big things I realized is that I needed help with my email. And I, working with a lot of brands and just doing a lot of partnerships, lots of emails coming in. And that was something that I didn't even want to ask him to help with because I'm like, well, he already has enough on his plate. Like, why would I just want to add that? I'm like, if it stresses me out, it's going to stress him out. But I've realized, I'm like, hey, your brain is wired differently. And actually, some of the things that stress me out may not even stress out someone else. Like, it would probably stress him out to sit down and make art that he has to share in an hour. (laughs) So I have to remind myself, like, hey, we all have different strengths. And yeah, a year ago, I wasn't saying things like this. I mean, a year ago, I would have been like, no, I need to do this myself. I just need more sleep or I just need to get better organizing. But I realized that I've got to do what I'm able to do and seek help for the things that I'm not able to do. So these are things I'm still teaching, I'm still (laughs) telling myself, but that's just, and I'm still learning, but that's just one area where it's been super clear. And I have seen a big difference in my day, even just having someone else in there helping me with that. Yeah, I get that. And I have a son who is neurodiverse, neuroatypical. And for me, it's been actually a really huge and informative learning process just to understand things like how different sensory inputs Mm -hmm. can change his mental state. And I really like even though I don't believe I haven't been diagnosed, but I guess you never know even. And I know you tried to get diagnosed like a few times Mm -hmm. before you really got heard and taken seriously, which is a whole other conversation as a woman of color that we we don't talk about that another time. But just understanding that I think has made it easier for me to relate to a lot of other people and my clients Mm -hmm. and my team and knowing that people process information in different ways. I heard you talk about on your show how like executive functioning skills, like things like the emails like you talked about, but like even something as simple as taking a shower, which has a lot of steps in it and has a lot of sensory input in it can be really exhausting for you. And I think the traditional work world really rewards neurotypicality and people that can just function in like, just get it done in spite of whatever the environment is. And now I think we're at a time, especially as you are carving your own path, where you can create the work environment that you're going to be the most successful in. Oh, you are, you are so right. And I just felt so seen in everything you just said. So thank you for saying that because it it is such a challenge for neurodiverse people who, because it's hard to communicate those things. It's hard to say like, okay, I know we're trying to have this meeting, but like these fluorescent lights, I can hear them. Like they're buzzing in my, it's hard to say those things and to be taken seriously or to feel like, do I seem too weird? There's so much pressure around that. And, and am I too sensitive? Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And there have been so many settings. I mean, I remember being on tour as a musician and just getting off stage and thinking, why do I feel like I'm ready to cry? Like 
that was a fun show, but I, I literally feel like I'm about to start weeping. And I didn't know that I had a sensory processing disorder. I know that now. Um, so yeah, there are things that because I know that now that I know I'm going to have to say no to in the future. And that's really hard because it's like, oh, that could be amazing opportunity. But I also know that on the other side of it, it does give me a lot of gifts. For instance, as a visual artist, I have been able to carve out a space for myself in licensing and a lot of opportunities because I pay so much attention to color and because I can see colors within colors (laughs) within colors. So while that may be hard when I'm just like in the grocery store, like I, the grocery store is the worst place for me. There's just so much going on in there. Um, so while it's tough at the grocery store and I have to just like pay the extra bucks and get the groceries delivered at the same time, the other side of it is, wow, but look at what happens when I'm able to bring that to my work. And part of being autistic is that Um, A lot of, and you know, autism is a spectrum, so everyone has a different experience, but a lot of people on the spectrum deal with communication issues and social issues. I pay an enormous amount of attention to words that are said and tone, and I can see that in my poetry. I can see that in the way that I write copy, because I'm thinking about all those little things. So that's just another example of why I'm just so grateful that I was able to find a space where I can see the good in it, what I struggle with, for sure. This is a big reminder that the qualities you might see as deficits are actually your superpowers. I hope this conversation with Morgan has inspired you to treat yourself with a little extra kindness and to follow your intuition. I will leave you today with a poem from Morgan. Take heart, breathe deep. There is more to your life than what you have seen. And as long as you're still breathing, you will know new beginnings. So take a breath and look for the signs pointing to your new beginnings. Here are a few more things we learned from Morgan today. Tell your story in a way that is so authentic, your audience feels like you're creating shared experiences. Follow your intuition. Wherever you are in your entrepreneurial journey, there will be signs that you are on the right path or the wrong one. Collaborations are a great way to monetize what you create. If you're working with a person or a company with whom you're aligned, it can be a win-win. Advocate for yourself. Whether it's your health, your art, or your business, you know yourself best. Look for Morgan's new book, How Far You've Come, at Target or wherever you get your books. Follow her on Instagram and download the free Storyteller app for daily inspirations. Trust me, everyone I know who has the app loves it. The I Make a Living podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. Balancing your books, client relationships, and business isn't easy. FreshBooks gives you the info and time you need to focus on your big picture, your business, your team, your art, and your clients. Right now, you can go to freshbooks.com slash podcast and take advantage of an exclusive offer for our listeners. And while you're at it, check out all of the resources made available to you through our show notes. Our executive producer is Francisco Erzmendi. Editorial and content producer is Leo Shell Villanueva. Our audio engineer and composer is James Morris. And I'm Damona Hoffman, producer and host. You can follow me at Damona Hoffman and FreshBooks 
at FreshBooks on all of the social platforms for more tips, tools, and resources because it's your business. We'll see you with Morgan's Nerdisode on Thursday.